welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope you had a fantastic weekend in the wild and wacky world of sports and beyond. We have some fun in store for you today, including a glance back at the sports weekend that was. That allows for our two cents, of course, and that allows for your participation on our syndicated statewide network and beyond. We call it best and worst of the weekend. The question is this, what was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw? Anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that since the last time we were together on Friday afternoon. You can jump in shortly by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Even as we glance back and Novak Djokovic from the tennis world got a lot of votes this weekend after winning Wimbledon taking out Roger Federer in yesterday's championship match. A lot of love for Fed, too, and even Serena Williams, who was the runner-up on the women's side. Tennis fans certainly had a lot to enjoy this past weekend. Basketball fans have seen the NBA Summer League come to an end. That'll be tonight, actually. There is a championship game, if you did not know. Some guys we know well in this part of the country were actually celebrated for their performances in the Summer League over these last few weeks as first or second year professionals. Some of them were best of the weekend for you. We'll share some of those from Twitter and my inbox over the weekend that was. Anthony Davis of the Lakers was introduced Saturday as a member of the LA Lakers. What did AD say? What did AD not say? And do you agree with him when he says he believes the Lakers would beat anybody in the NBA in a seven game playoff series with the roster they have assembled around LeBron and AD? He did not guarantee championships. Probably took LeBron's advice on that. Remember Bosch and Wade and LeBron after the decision in Miami? Not one, not two, not three. No such words from AD this weekend, and wisely so. But he did say he would put the Lakers' revised roster up against anybody in the entire NBA, and he did make a somewhat bold declaration in the seven-game series. I think we'd come out victorious against anybody. Among those who may object to that, Warriors fans, Rockets fans, Clippers fans, Jazz fans, Blazers fans, Nuggets fans, and that's just in the Western Conference. What do we have to look forward to this week? Even as we glance back with your help at the best and the worst of the weekend that was, well, it's a lot. First, NFL fans, did you know that training camps begin Wednesday? Not for your Carolina Panthers. You have to wait nine more days. Wednesday, July 24th, both rookies and veterans will be reporting for Ron Rivera's club here in our backyard. Technically, they're reporting to Spartanburg, South Carolina, on the other side of the border. Remember, that's still where the Panthers will be, even in the post-Jerry Richardson era. Wofford College, Jerry's alma mater, that was the root of that relationship. David Tepper, the new owner, will be moving these preseason camps eventually, but at least for now, we'll still be getting those live reports from Wofford in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So nine more days to wait there. But among others, the Arizona Cardinals, who have a new head coach in Cliff Kingsbury, the Ravens, the Broncos, the Seahawks. Denver actually has, this Wednesday, two days from now, everybody reporting 
Now, the Broncos are one of the two teams. Usually, you bring in the rookies, and then the veterans maybe have another week before they have to show up. The Broncos, and maybe this is why their whole team has to be there, report for duty this Wednesday. The Broncos are taking on the Falcons in the annual Hall of Fame game. That is August 1st in Canton, Ohio. So it's really, what, two and a half weeks away. That's a Thursday night national TV game, Falcons against the Broncos. We'll talk return of the NFL today as Ezekiel Elliott of the Cowboys, Robbie Gold now of the Niners, Melvin Gordon of the Chargers, Jadevian Clowney of the Texans, and even former Wake Forest coach Jim Caldwell, now of the Miami Dolphins as an assistant coach. They're among the names in the NFL headlines as we look forward to the return of the NFL training camps and the debut of the unofficial college football season. Today begins SEC Media Days and Big 12 Media Days. We will be there in person bringing you the David Glenn Show live Thursday, uh, Wednesday and Thursday from the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina. That's the ACC's annual kickoff event. Two days, one for each of the two seven-team divisions. We get to say hi to all 14 head coaches. There will be 28 players there, Noah's Ark style. We'll be interviewing a lot of the coaches, some of the players, on Wednesdays and th the Wednesday and Thursday shows as we come at you live from the ACC kickoff event. The pigskin preview here in North Carolina is this Friday at the Embassy Suites in Cary. Remember, you can be a part of a great cause and also see guys like David Cutcliffe of Duke, Mac Brown of Carolina, Dave Dorn of NC State, Mike Houston, the new guy at ECU, Trey Oliver, the new guy at NC Central. It is the only event that gets all five of those head college football coaches in the same place at the same time with a speaking role for each. That is this Friday at the Embassy Suites in Cary. It is in memory of the late great college football coach Bill Dooley and it raises funds for among others the National Football Foundation get there if you can you actually have my permission because my voice is on that event every year I can't usually be there in person you have my permission if needed to miss the David Glenn show this Friday because the pigskin preview is a luncheon event so you can sit in your car for the parts that the event is not going on and then run in and enjoy one of the fun engagements of the year as we lead into college football season. The British Open starts this Thursday. There are a lot of interesting storylines there. So as we look back with your help, 1-800-849-2761, the L.A. Dodgers, the Chicago Cubs, Kurt Busch of NASCAR, various golfers made best of the weekend. Anthony Davis and the Lakers summer league superstars Simona Halep and Novak Djokovic from the Wimbledon world all best of the weekend. Some of you simply voted for the return of the NFL. It is not even here yet but college football kind of starting today with media days in other parts of the country. The NFL merely 48 hours away with some of the earlier teams that are reporting along those lines. You can jump in looking back, best or worst of the weekend. You can jump in looking forward as we tackle the British Open, including with a visit from Rex Hoggard. He is on the ground on the other side of the pond. The Golf Channel writer and reporter will be covering the British Open competitive play, of course, Thursday through Sunday. What we call the British Open, they call over there the Open Championship. It is being described because, of course, it is almost always in England. And when it is not in England, it's almost always in Scotland. When it's not in one of those two places, it is a really rare example. It has been in no Northern Ireland, I know, at least one time before. 
but it is back there. And the 2019 Open Championship is being called the biggest sporting event in the history of Northern Ireland. Rex Hoggard will join us with that as the backdrop. He'll be with us in hour number three. Tickets for all four days of this week's British Open already have sold out. And they say that the sellout this far in advance, all four days, had never happened in the history of the British Open, which is turning 148 years old this week in Northern Ireland. So obviously the buzz factor is high. A guy like Rory McIlroy, among others, will be among the local favorites. Tiger Woods hasn't even played tournament golf in about a month. But he'd love to add another major after getting number 15 with that green jacket at the Masters a few months ago. The Vegas faves, of course, include Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson and Justin Rose and some others. We'll talk Open Championship with Rex Hoggard of the Golf Channel in hour number three. What was the best thing in the sports world over these last three days? What was the worst thing in the sports world? We're taking your calls right now at 1-800-849-2761. Here for your assistance today. And we may have another classic sports movie challenge. Intern Christian representing App State. Intern Will representing William Peace University. Intern Nathan represents the University of North Carolina. If you were not with us last week, it is one of the fastest growing game shows in all of sports radio. We did give out prizes. The Sandlot was one of the classic sports movies featured last week. What do we do? We play some audio. It's not that hard or designed to be that hard. You have to guess the name of the movie after hearing the Sandlot clip in that case. Then the interns dazzle us with details of fascinating yet often little-known trivia or tidbits about how the movies were made, how much money they made, who was supposed to get this role before that other person ended up getting that role. The Sandlot, profiled by Will, the Caddyshack movie, profiled by Philip last week, dazzled our statewide listeners with things they didn't even know about movies that some of them call among their favorites of all time. We may have a classic sports movie challenge today. We will not have them on Wednesday or Thursday as we come at you live from the ACC kickoff event. Too many moving parts, too many head coaches sitting across the table from us. It's a little trickier to do it those days. Remember, it is one month a year and one month a year only. I mailed out three prizes this morning to classic sports movie challenge winners from last week perhaps we'll have three more winners this week i believe intern will has queued up another classic sports movie challenge in case we want one a little bit later this afternoon rex rex hoggard on golf third hour russ has a summer league superstar on his mind you can jump in best or worst of the weekend or on one of my questions of the day for baseball fans Now that almost 100 games have been played in that 162-game marathon of a regular season, who is the best team in Major League Baseball? I believe my Philadelphia Phillies will be hosting the answer to that question starting tonight in Philadelphia. The Dodgers took two of three from Darren Vaught's Boston Red Sox. That was at Fenway Park, too. I watched some of that. The Dodgers do have the best record in all of Major League Baseball, but they may not automatically be the correct answer to the question of the day. In the AL, which looks better and deeper, the Yankees, the Twins, and the Astros all are on the Dodgers' tail in terms of the best record in the entire league. 
and it may be a tougher road on that side of the bracket given again that deeper field after almost 100 games of regular season action in major league baseball who is the best team is it the dodgers is it as simple as that i know cubs fans excited they swept the pirates this weekend and now lead the nl central although that division is not quite as dominating as some of the others we have question for football fans in particular because the arizona cardinals have their training camp open on Wednesday. And they are another example of the college coach jumping to the NFL. Football fans, college or pro or both. What have we learned from previous examples of college football coaches taking over NFL programs as head coaches? And why doesn't it happen very much these days? I'll actually answer the second question. But y'all know who else is on that list, right? I mean, Pete Carroll from Southern Cal to the Seattle Seahawks. That one actually worked out pretty well. It's one of the more successful examples in the history of these leaps. There's not nearly as much faith, I don't think, generally speaking, behind Cliff Kingsbury's jump from Texas Tech, where he might have been in the process of getting fired before he leapt to the NFL to take over those Arizona Cardinals. In all, by the way, since we're warming up to the NFL and those training camps starting on Wednesday, there are 32 NFL franchises. Do you all remember how many of them have new head coaches? It is one quarter. Eight of the 32 are led by a new dude including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, your Carolina Panthers' neighbors in the NFC South. Bruce Arians is not new to head coaching, of course, but he is the first-year leader of those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll celebrate the return of the NFL with your answers to that call as well, or that question as well, 1-800-849-2761. Base basketball fans, is Anthony Davis right? Would the Lakers beat every other NBA team with their current revised roster in, an, in a seven-game series? Football fans, what have we learned from previous examples? Man, just guys we know well. Lou Holtz made the jump from college to the NFL a long time ago. Steve Spurrier made the jump from college to the NFL. Didn't work out really well. He's, he still moans about some aspects of his time as the leader of that Washington franchise in the pros after great success at Duke and Florida in the college ranks. And baseball fans, after almost 100 games of regular season action, who is that best team in Major League Baseball? I'll offer more of my thoughts. We will welcome yours at 1-800-849-2761. More all week on NFL training camps, the ACC kickoff event, pigskin preview on Friday, British Open starts Thursday, classic sports movie challenge, and one more thing as we come to Russ, who wants to be first for best or worst of the weekend. Earlier today, an article that I have been working on for roughly three months. It took a long time to research. It took a long time to write. It involves as many moving parts and intricate details as maybe anything that I have tackled in my 32-year writing career. It did post this morning at theathletic.com. It is on their national college football page, maybe their national college basketball page as well. It is also at the sub-site, The Athletic Carolina. So you, you can squeeze into a quick read what I spent three months of my life putting together. It involves the ACC network. If you're a subscriber to the ACC Sports Journal magazine, our annual kickoff edition will have, believe it or not, an even longer version of my deep dive into the ACC network. The official launch, remember, is August 22nd. There are already dozens and dozens of providers that have agreed to carry the ACC network starting at its August 22nd launch. But 
the two largest cable companies in America, for example, have not yet reached agreement agreement with the Disney slash ESPN folks. So, of course, there's some anxiety. There is huge, huge money on the line. The SEC and the Big Ten have already had incredibly successful channels in two different ways, but it's one of the big reasons, successful conference channel, that the Big Ten and the SEC are far and away right now the richest leagues in all of college sports. It is not even close, even as you compare those two, with, say, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the ACC. This is designed to at least cut the gap a little bit between the Big Ten and the SEC, and in this case, the Atlantic Coast Conference. There are more details that I could possibly squeeze into sports radio if you want to check out the article. The Athletic Carolina, theathletic.com's college football page, and soon in the pages of the ACC Sports Journal's quarterly glossy magazine. If you're not a subscriber, become one today at accsports.com. In case you didn't know, there are 120 million American TV households. Because of cord cutting, etc., only 94 million of those are what we call pay TV households. That's just residential now. I'm not talking about bars and restaurants. Three providers, big ones, that have not yet agreed to carry the ACC network make up combined 47 million pay TV households. You don't need to be a math major to figure out that those three control one half of all pay TV households in the United States of America. Now, they, of course, want to keep the price of the new ACC network low, and if they can't find a deal, they'll just say, we're not going to carry it. ESPN slash Disney slash the ACC want a higher price, more like the Big Ten Network or the SEC Network. But you can't ask for too high a price, otherwise they say we're not carrying at all. When three companies that you're negotiating with control 50% of all American paid TV households, and the three, by the way, are Comcast slash Xfinity, that's the same company, just the brand name, Charter slash Spectrum, they're both cable companies, of course, and Dish Network, a, a satellite company. You combine those three, that's 47 million, and yes, they are three of a short list of holdouts that have not yet come to terms with Disney slash ESPN on the new ACC network. If you have questions about my article or about how stuff works in that corner of our college sports world, today would be a good time for that question. Today would also be a good time for your votes. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe this past weekend and why? And what do you think with college football unofficially launching today, SEC and Big 12 media days, with NFL training camps two days away, what have we learned from previous examples of college football coaches taking over as the head coach at NFL programs, and why doesn't it happen very much these days? I'll answer that question as we come to your phone calls. 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show. And that's it. The top seed triumphs, and it can surprise no one. He's beaten Roger Federer today in the longest final 
in Wimbledon history. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Dwight in Fayetteville wants in because he once played for Pete Carroll. And with the NFL season, or training camps at least, almost here, again, Arizona, among others, starts on Wednesday. The Ravens, the Broncos, and the Seahawks happen to be the three other teams that start on Wednesday. Pete Carroll's jump from Southern Cal to Seattle is one of the most successful jumps for a head coach from the college ranks to the pro ranks. I'll answer part of my own question. I said to football fans everywhere with college football ramping up with media days this week and NFL training camps also underway 48 hours from now, what have we learned from previous examples of college football coaches taking over as the head coach of NFL programs? And why doesn't it happen very much these days? The answer to the latter part, as we go to Dwight and Fayetteville, Russ in McGee Crossroads, North Carolina, has a best of the weekend from the NBA. I'll just tell you this. Duke, Carolina, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Miami, and the Campbell Camels all have players who were ranked among the best performers at the NBA Summer League. Now, it's not the end of the world. It's not the be-all, end-all. If you didn't do well there, your career is not over. But if you did well, it certainly doesn't hurt. You're playing with and against other first and second year NBA players. And for some of these guys, it's the difference between whether they can get a roster spot or not with the parent club, meaning when everybody is, is eligible and available, meaning veterans too, for the upcoming regular season. 1-800-849-2761. Dwight, Russ, and others want in either on one of the questions of the day or best and worst of the weekend. The short answer to why... We don't see as many college football coaches jumping to the NFL. Two main things, and I think both are common sense, but worth sharing anyway. One, whereas when Butch Davis left the Miami Hurricanes to take a job with the Cleveland Browns, Coach Davis has been a guest on this show many times, and I asked him this question, and I remember he said, I quadrupled my income. So you're at the University of Miami, right? I think the Canes were already, what, a four-time national champion when Butch Davis took that job. And remember, he helped build some of those teams as an assistant coach. When he left, he handed the keys to a coach named Larry Coker, who won another national title with Miami, basically with the players that Butch Davis had recruited to the Hurricanes. So his name is not on that title as the head coach, but that's basically Butch Davis's team. Think of most of us. Somebody calls you and says, I don't care if you're making $20,000 a year, $50,000 a year, or a million dollars a year. You get that call with a 10% raise. Well, that matters a lot, I know, to me when I was younger. I'm not uprooting my family for a 10% raise at this stage of my career. You offer to quadruple my income? Well, of course I'm going to listen, and I'm probably even going to say yes, I think. Butch Davis quadrupled his income. The two main reasons the prominent college coaches don't do this anymore, one, the money is more even now. And there's, there are a bunch of college head coaches in like the 7 to $10 million range, just like there are a bunch of NFL head coaches in the 7 to $10 million range. So they're not quite equal in terms of average, but Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, and that tier – they're not really being offered raises anymore the way Butch Davis quadrupled his income to leave the Miami Hurricanes. The other answer, as we go to Dwight, Russ, and you, best and worst of the weekend and these baseball, basketball, and football questions of the day. What is harder, dominating in the NFL where there's free agency trades, the NFL draft, which is designed to help the lesser teams, remember, 
How did you finish last year? Well, as a starting point, we're going to draft in the reverse order of that, helping the worst teams and making the best teams wait until the end of the first round, second round, et cetera. What's easier to dominate? I mean, neither is easy. Maybe that's not the best word. What is less complicated to dominate nowadays? It sure as heck is not the NFL. Good luck. You got a general manager. You don't even control the guys that you're signing. What was it, Bill Parcells, who said, if you're going to ask me to cook the meal, the least you should do is let me shop for the groceries, right? Well, in college football, you're shopping for the groceries. You're out there on the recruiting trail with your assistant coaches. And if you're at a prominent program, you're already your foot is in the door at Alabama and Clemson. Not quite as easy if you're a little further down the uh, food chain, if you will, in college football. But when you weigh it out, Nick Saban, remember, tried the Miami Dolphins. Nobody could ever convince me that Nick Saban's chances of continuing to dominate at Alabama are as complicated as more co- or more complicated as trying to just be relevant with the Miami Dolphins, right? You can kind of fall down on your way to work half, half the days you go to the University of Alabama and still be a national championship contender. You do that with the Miami Dolphins, all of a sudden you're last in the AFC East. That's just how it goes. So there's two big reasons times have changed. Dwight in Fayetteville, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Cliff Kingsbury did leave Texas Tech for the Arizona Cardinals. He is the latest in this experiment. You all know the other names, right? Steve Spurrier tried it. Dennis Erickson tried it. Nick Saban, Bobby Petrino, Jim Harbaugh, Greg Schiano. Remember, Rutgers to Tampa Bay. Doug Marone left Syracuse for the Buffalo Bills, now Jacksonville Jaguars. Chip Kelly left Oregon. For the Philadelphia Eagles, Bill O'Brien left Penn State for the Houston Texans. By the way, a lot of those guys were running from something. Even Pete Carroll, with all of his NFL success, was in a tricky situation after winning all those championships at Southern Cal. You know, Reggie Bush and other scandals were crashing down. Maybe it was a good time for him to jump to the Seattle Seahawks. Dwight in Fayetteville played for Pete Carroll right here in North Carolina. Dwight, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hello, David. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. What's on your mind? Fantastic. Well, you've given most of my answers already. <laughs> Sorry about that. Which, which, which means you're very astute at what's going on. Uh, something that you didn't touch on that I'll touch on uh, briefly is the relationship of the player and the coach. For instance, uh, in college, you've got coaches that have actually gone into the living rooms of these kids when they were 16, 17, 18 years old, and in some cases 15 years old. And, and so there's a relationship there as an as a adolescent or a young man to an older man or like a father yeah. type, of, type, yeah. of, uh, type of relationship, father-son type of relationship. As you go into the NFL, now you've got grown men. You're talking about a 31-year-old guy that's got his got a wife and three kids and a mortgage. Right. Uh, it, to motivate him, you can't just rah rah and and beat the drum. You've got to you've got to make make sense to him, and that's what a lot of the guys are not able to do. Uh, when we talk about Pete Carroll and his success, let's also remember that he had a head coaching stint prior to that um, with the uh, with the Jets that didn't go so right, well. Right. Right. And, and Pete, as you can see, is a rah-rah kind of guy. And if you'll remember, when he went to the Seahawks, there was a little rub with the older guys. The younger guys were able to fall in line yes. more so because they were more accustomed to that type of, that type of treatment. Uh, but uh, I remember when I was with Dallas and, you know, Tom Landry 
Uh, he wasn't a rah-rah kind of guy. You came to work. It was business. You came to do your job. That's what I love about the Patriots. There's no rah-rah. It's about business. Everybody doing their job. And you're talking about um, what's more difficult to do to, to be successful and continuously win in the NFL or to be a top program in college. The Patriots are a great example. Dwight, did, where, Pete, did Pete Carroll recruit you to NC State, or was he there no, when, when you got to Pete, campus? When I, I was there when Pete got there. Okay. Pete came in. Uh, when uh, Monty Kiffin came in as the head okay. coach. Pete you, came in as his defensive backs coach. And, uh, yeah, Pete was there. and We had quite a few other guys. Did you already see and, in a young Pete Carroll, like, this sort of potential? Could you have circled him all the way back then? I mean, he's an assistant coach at NC State University under Monty Kiffin. Did you see potential greatness in him already? Staff that Monty had. He, he had a lot of great guys there. They were all young and energetic. Pete was, was probably – the most knowledgeable, the most energetic. He yep. was always up. And, uh, and even then, when he came in, those those of us that were seniors, we were like, uh, what's up with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're... <laughs> his line might be breaking, his signal might be breaking up. Appreciate Dwight calling from Fayetteville, former Wolfpack player, former NFL player, who uh, listens to the show and calls in from time to time. Russ is in McGee Crossroads, North Carolina. You can join us on these Major League Baseball, NBA, or football questions of the day, or you can just cast a vote for best or worst of the weekend. Novak Djokovic was the men's champion at Wimbledon. The guy he beat, Roger Federer and Serena Williams, remember, they're both 37 years old. Arguably, Serena's the goat of women's tennis, and Federer is the goat of men's tennis. Djokovic closed the gap a little bit. Federer still has his 20, right? And that's most all-time in men's tennis history. Serena Williams still has her 23. That's most all-time for the women in what they call the open era. But she's 37. I mean, how many more chances are you going to get? If you're Federer, you're 37. It's like Tiger. How many more chances do you get to add to your list of major championships? Well, as Federer came up one match short of getting a 21st, and Serena Williams, who lost to Simona Halep in the women's final, came up one match short of getting to 24, Joker, Novak Djokovic, is at 16 now, and he's seven or five years younger than Roger Federer. So Federer, who knows, maybe he adds to 20, maybe he doesn't. He certainly is in amazing shape, and he just plowed through a heck of a field to get to the final and barely lost to Joker. It was compelling tennis, as good as you'll see. It was phenomenal, maybe the highlight of the sports weekend to me in terms of, you know, whatever your viewing options were. Federer is at 20 Grand Slam singles titles. Nadal is at 18, but he's also like four or five years younger than Federer. Joker is now at 16 and the youngest of the three. So we're going to see continued jostling for position among the three guys generally regarded as the greatest in the history of men's tennis. They're all within four majors of each other, even Federer, who turns 38 very shortly does not show signs of wanting to retire neither does Serena but because of that year straight where she missed majors entirely after giving birth and you know being pregnant and helping to raise her child in the early days she missed four straight majors so that's a part of this number but it is now two and a half years since Serena won a major title and that has people wondering you know will she just be stuck on 23 maybe forever, the way some thought Tiger Woods would be stuck on 14 major golf championships forever. At an advanced age, of course, Tiger got the Masters earlier this year, so he's at 15 and just three short of that Jack Nicholas guy. On the tennis side, we're talking about the people that are at the top of the list. 
Federer at 20, Serena at 23, and now Nadal and Joker on the heels of Roger Federer. Ryan and McGee's Cross, McGee's, McGee Crossroads, North Carolina. I think I said that right. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right, go right ahead. Hey, DG. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, man. What you got? Yeah, yeah. Best of the weekend. I was throwing out a Chris Clemens from my alma mater at Campbell University uh, on the Houston Rockets. I'm glad uh, you did. Team. I'm glad you did. Did you get to see him yes, play sir. much? Did oh, you? yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, 10 rebounds from a five foot nine guy. <laughs> right. And for, for those who forget, Russ would know all this as a, as a Campbell fan, but you're talking about the NCAA's leading scorer. You're talking about a guy who is five foot nine. You mentioned Russ's, Russ mentioned that Campbell is his alma mater. Uh, Chris Clemens is also representing my children's high school alma mater. He's a former Millbrook High School and Raleigh guy. So he's got all sorts of people kind of leading the parade, hoping he can make this jump. And it's not easy, but he's the NCAA's leading scorer from a year ago put up insane numbers for the Campbell Camels. He averaged in the summer league, the last numbers I saw in Rush, you may have slightly different ones, but the last I saw Chris Clemens, now of the Houston Rockets, averaged 21 points per game and hit, uh, I think it was like 19 or 23s in maybe four games. So that's making it rain now, three-point style for Chris Clemens. That is, a, that is exactly how... You go from summer league, which is all first and second year players, to yeah, I think this five foot nine guy deserves an invitation to training camp. And remember, he was not drafted. If you're drafted, you're going to be at training camp, even if you fell on your face at summer league. You're still going to be at training camp because they've invested in you a draft pick and money. Uh, but Chris Clemens, as a free agent, you got more to prove. And I think he proved exactly what he needed to prove. Were my numbers about what you saw, Russ? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. really yeah. well done. Another number that I thought was pretty neat, uh, the five foot nine guy, he, he wore number 59. Oh, did he? <laughs> this, this week, yeah. I didn't see yeah, that. Uh, on the team, yeah. A couple other quick things from Summer League. Guys we know well. I mean, would you have thought of Emil Jefferson as a, either A, a future NBA player? Now, I love Emil from Duke. You want to talk about character, glue guy, work ethic, unselfish, humble, high basketball IQ. Love myself some Emil Jefferson, all right? He happens to be from the Philadelphia area, and I swear that's not part of why I love Emil Jefferson so much. So I'm rooting for the guy, but if I had to bet at the Vegas window, would Emil be making his money somewhere overseas? Yeah, that's probably, well, I mean, unless he wanted to be in the G League or whatever here in the United States. Emil Jefferson, you ready for this? Former, I can't even say former Duke star, former Duke role player. Emil Jefferson averaged 16 points and nine rebounds for the Orlando Magic of the Summer League. I mean, so Chris Clemens struts his stuff for the Campbell Camels. The, uh, what Emil did clearly gets you to training camp. I mean, who knows where it goes from there? The leap from Summer League to NBA regular season roster is a hard one. Again, especially if you're an undrafted free agent, which Clemens is and Emil Jefferson is. Tony Bradley, now he would be a second-year NBA player at this point out of the University of North Carolina. He averaged 19 and 13 for the Utah Jazz and is part of a rotation that when he gets to the big club, and yes, he'll be invited, that's a heck of a Utah team. As Anthony Davis was talking this weekend as a new member of the Lakers, you know, we'd beat anybody in, in the seven-game series. There are about six teams just in the West that might disagree with AD on that, and I think the Jazz are one of those. So Tony Bradley's kicking tail and taking names in 
as a UNC representative. Emile's doing it as a Duke representative. Chris Clemens as a Campbell representative. And I don't know if you all got as much of an eyeful of these guys because they're not in-state. But you remember Bruce Brown and Lonnie Walker of the Miami Hurricanes? Like two of the stars of NBA Summer League. Do you remember Nikhil Alexander-Walker of the Virginia Tech Hokies? One of probably the five best performers in all of Summer League. Now, all the guys I'm mentioning made somebody's, you know, all-Summer League team. But the very best of the best included guys like Tyler Hero from Kentucky, who's now with the Miami Heat. He just looked like a J.J. Redick-type shooting machine after he made that uh, one-and-done leap from the Kentucky Wildcats. So the Miami Heat's excited about Tyler Hero. The New Orleans Pelicans, of course, most excited about Zion Williamson, their number one overall draft pick. Nikhil Alexander-Walker also went in this year's draft after transactions. He ended up in New Orleans as well. He was a superstar. And two guys from Florida State, Terrence Mann, who's with the uh, – actually, they're both with the Clippers – Fiondu Cabangeli, the big guy, and Terrence Mann, the perimeter player, the guard, uh, they're both with the L.A. Clippers. So if you're trying to remember, all right, where, who, who's going to help Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? I know they're only first-year guys, but Cabangeli's got NBA written all over him. And I think Terrence Mann, can, athletically, he's good enough for the NBA. Will his skill set be there? Who knows? But that's a lot of guys we know well who are among, say, the top 15 to 20 standouts at this year's NBA Summer League. And that was the Vegas, the, that championship game is tonight for those who are interested. I didn't know they gave away a trophy for such things, but Memphis takes on Minnesota tonight in the Vegas Summer League championship game. Uh, side note, Darren Vaught, producer of this program, back from all kinds of shenanigans, USA baseball duties, uh, charity golf tournaments, etc. Is Rob Lowe the actor a different person from Rob Palenka, the L.A. Lakers general manager? <laughs> I've met Rob Lowe, and Rob Lowe actually loves Duke. His child, one of his children went to Duke. He shows up there one to time, time to time. You know, he, he's a handsome guy. I'm still allowed to say that, right, there. Yeah. I think that's okay. Rob Lowe has, ha, I don't know what he looks like today, but he's always had that youthful look. I think I'm somewhere, I'm a contemporary, I think, of Rob Lowe. Maybe he's a little bit older than I. I'm not sure. If you Have you ever seen Rob Palenka? Lakers general manager and Rob Lowe, famous actor, in the same place at the same time. I'm I not, haven't. No, they've got that Hollywood look to them, don't they? I don't. I don't know. I'll leave if they're handsome or not to other people. But are you with me on this? I've are never. They brothers, I've are never they brothers from another it. mother? I've I never mean, thought about it, but I'm with you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's dark. We're getting close to doppelganger ter territory with Rob. You you just call him up, Palenka Lakers, Rob Lowe actor. And you tell me there are not some severe similarities there. I've told the story many times. The, there's, I think we're closing in on 8 billion people in the world, right? I don't, we're not there. We're not at 8 billion with a B yet. But my wife's doppelganger, I mean, think of how big the world is. The lovely and talented Maria's doppelganger lives in our neighborhood, and her first name is Maria. I swear to you that that is true. I mean, they look so much alike that I once was leaving a party and grabbed the wrong woman's hand. I'm not kidding. There, there are enough similarities. I was distracted, but the point stands. Rob Lowe and Rob Palenka have as many similarities as the lovely and talented Maria and the other Maria, of course, basically by definition. 
also lovely and talented. Who knew? At least in our case, they're in the same neighborhood. In that case, they're both kind of sort of part of the basketball world. Tell me if you've ever seen them in the same place at the same time. Otherwise, I'm thinking Rob Lowe went from making movies to directing the L.A. Lakers. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? More of your phone calls, more of your answers to our baseball, basketball, and football questions of the day, and more on the ACC Network. Check out my article at The Athletic Carolina and The Athletic's national page on college football. It'll also be a version of it, longer actually, in the pages of the ACC Sports Journal's kickoff edition. You have questions and comments. Many of you don't even know that you will not have access to the ACC Network unless your carrier agrees between now and August 22nd to pick it up. We'll answer those questions and come back to your calls next on The David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. More of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls still to come. Rex Hogger joins us live from the British Open. Fun news to report. The Hornets will play the Philadelphia 76ers on October 11th of this year. They're doing it at the Joel. Wake Forest gets to host a game in October. It's a Friday night. Hornets versus the Sixers, Friday, October 11th, 7.30. That sounds fun, man. I got to go look at my big tailgate tour schedule. What part of the state will we be in that weekend? Can we catch that game on a Friday night? That's my Sixers now and our Hornets. Right before wherever we are goofing around at a college football game that Saturday. Check it out. The Hornets have announced it. Of course, Wake fans have it at their disposal right in their backyard as well, announced just within the last hour. More fun stuff, a sad note from the sports world that our pass, I'll pass along. Rex Hoggard, still to come in hour number three. More of your phone calls in hour number two. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? H how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. <laughs> um, you know, I hope it's not like a hand to hug to hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's so. a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Hour two will begin with more of your phone calls. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? The L.A. Dodgers, the Chicago Cubs, Novak Djokovic, other Wimbledon, the return of the NFL, Anthony Davis's introduction as a member of the L.A. Lakers. We'll get to more of those things, and we'll talk more about football. The NFL is back in two days. The ACC kickoff event is two days away. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Moo you and Agriculture you. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show.